Oliver from Rugby League, in my opinion here, joined today by Catalan's Dragons half, Josh Drinkwater. How are you today, man? I'm going good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Uh, first of all, you got a, a game against the whole KR this weekend, first game of the Super League season. How have you guys been preparing? Yeah, we've sort of had a different pre-season this year just because of the COVID restrictions in France. And um, we've sort of only been together for about three weeks now, training as a team. So we haven't had much preparation as a team, but um, we've sort of got a pretty similar squad to last year. We've only had sort of three new signings. So we'll probably be a little bit behind the eight ball to start with, but um, you know, hopefully we've got enough talent on the park to win. Yeah, well, last season you guys obviously uh, made it one game away from a Super League Grand Final. Um, have you guys sort of how, – how does how do things change from that, right? You guys go so close to a Grand Final. Do you go back to square one for this season and change everything about how you play to try and go that one step further, or do you try to keep things the same? Yeah, we sort of – we sort of lost a lot of older players, so we've um, the clubs decided to go um, with a younger squad. So, you know, there's no doubt we've lost some quality players. You look at the likes of Israel Folia, uh, Sam Moe, Rem Cassidy. So we lost some good players, there's no doubt about that. But as I said, we've only had a three-week pre-season, so we haven't been able to change too much. It's just sort of brushing up on what we did last year. And um, With the new rule changes, I think it's going to take a little bit of time again to start getting used to them. But um, at rugby league, everyone sort of plays the same sort, sort, sort style of footy. So... Yeah, we haven't changed a whole lot. Obviously, we got to one one game of the grand final, so it was working. We just need to be a little bit better. Yeah, so I, I want to take a, a look over your career to this point. Um, you started out in the Holden Cup with uh, Manly Warringah, and then 2013, you actually signed a deal to go to the Dragons. And I do remember at the time, there was a fair bit of hype. Um, Wayne Bennett had just left the Dragons, and the club was sort of looking for the next generation to come through. Uh, you would only uh, play a few games for the Dragons, spend that one year at the club. Uh, why didn't it work out in the end at St. George Illawarra? Yeah, I just wasn't ready ready for first grade. You know, I was only 20 years old and it was more so as my first year in a full-time environment. Um, and physically, I just wasn't ready. And I didn't understand the game. Um, you know, first grade, yeah, it's, it's holding cup to first grade is completely different. So, yeah, looking back, I just definitely wasn't ready. And, you know, I'm obviously grateful I got the chance to play and debut for such a great club. But um, yeah, it was definitely before, as I said, I was ready to play. And it's probably, um, looking back, I would have liked to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, so instead of moving to another NRL club after your stint at the Dragons, you'd actually go over to the London Broncos. Um, how did that come about? Because we don't actually see too many young players who have just sort of made their NRL debut jump over and make the move to England uh, so suddenly. So how did that all come about? So our assistant coach at the Dragons at the time, Joey Grimer, he got the job um, to be assistant coach at London with the plan of him taking over. And when he got the job, he just sort of tapped me on the side of the train and said, look, I've got it. We need a halfback. Would you be interested? And at the time, I just sort of said yes, just saying it for, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be playing first grade there. And um, I've got a German passport. So, I mean, I didn't need a visa. I could jump on the plane straight away. And, um, you know, at the time, I knew that I wasn't going to be playing first grade. I was set up the Dragons. And to go to, you know, live in a city like London um, and get paid to be and do what I love um, for work, it was sort of, an opportunity that you know I just couldn't say no to, and I'm glad I've done it. It was a great experience living in a city like London. As I said, it's a beautiful place to live, and uh, you know it wasn't a great season on the field, obviously, but yeah, it was such a great experience. I loved every minute of it. 
Yeah, so after playing for the London Broncos, you chose to come back to Australia, to the West Tigers uh, for a year. You played behind Luke Brooks and Mitch Moses. I guess what was the motivation to then come straight back to Australia after that one year at London? And then why didn't it work out at the Tigers either? Yeah, I knew at the time when I went back to the Tigers what I was signing up for. Obviously, um, you know, the Brooks and Mitch Moses, they come through the juniors there and um, they sort out their plans, the club had the plans for them to be their long-term half. So I met with Jason Taylor and he told me there'd be a backup role. But at the time, I was just happy to sort of stay in Australia and um, live back home and be around family and friends. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, as I said, I knew that the role I was signing up for and, um, you know, I would have liked to get more than the one game I played. And, I felt like I was playing decent foot in reserve grade as well, but um, it's just the way it works sometimes. Not everything goes your way, and I totally understood the situation. Yeah, was it hard, I guess, then? Because you said you moved back, you know, to be with family and friends. Was it hard to then go back to England to the Lee Centurions the year after? Yeah, definitely. It was um, probably I didn't really want to do it at the the stage either, and obviously Lee were in championship, um, which is not even first grade, so I didn't even know anything about the championship. I didn't know much about the Lee Centurions either, but, um, you know, I spoke to the coach and the owner and they had an ambitious plan. They wanted to get promoted to Super League and um, the players I had on paper, the likes of Willie Tonga, Randy Matua, Gareth Hock, they recruited a really good team. And um, again, I, I just knew I was stuck in reserve grade back home and I wasn't going to be playing first grade anytime soon. So it was just an opportunity I had to jump at. Um, originally, it was only going to be for the six months and then head back to Australia. Um, but then I ended up staying a little bit longer. Yeah, well, you, you bring up promotion and that was the goal for Lee. You guys would actually achieve that in 2016. Um, what was that year like back in Super League with a team who, you know, they they weren't necessarily seen as, as the world beaters who were going to come up and make an impact? Was it sort of... I guess harder than being with with the London Broncos, who I guess were sort of on that on that same level. Uh, what were the differences? I think London. We probably knew that we were going to get relegated. I know that sounds bad, but we sort of knew straight away what what the situation was. Lee, look, the season didn't work out the way we planned it, but we you know the teams we beat that year. We beat Saints, we beat Wigan, we beat Warrington, we beat all the top teams. We just couldn't um, string any consistency together and. Um, you know, looking back, even now, I still think the team that we had there, I still don't know how we got relegated. Um, it was just things just didn't work out for us in the end. But um, it was a great year. Like, you know, I met some great people at the club and I'm, I'm happy to see them back in Super League. Um, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, obviously. And obviously a lot of other players uh, felt the brunt of getting relegation, what the effects that that has on not just you personally, but your family and everyone else around you. So... It was tough, but um, as I said, that's, that's rugby league. Yeah, well, it might have been a tough year, but you must have been playing pretty good individually on the field because you get picked up by the Catalan Dragons for 2018 in Super League and would go on to win the Challenge Cup. Uh, first of all, the move to France, what was that like for you? Uh, was that challenging? And then second of all, what was that experience like winning rugby league's oldest competition, the Challenge Cup, and the first Challenge Cup in Catalan Dragons history? It was a strange situation. Obviously, Catalina's beat us in a million-pound game. and um, I went back to Australia for about six months and was just playing reserve grade back there, just working a normal job. Um, and then, yeah, I got the phone call from Steve to say that, you know, they need half-back and we to come over. And it was sort of a situation where, at the time, the club, they were down the bottom of the ladder and 
sort of in that relegation battle. And I thought at the time, it's not good if I go to another team and get relegated. Like that's yeah. probably a line through my name. So, but I, again, I just looked at the team on paper. Had the likes of Greg Bird, Sam Mower, right? Like so many good players in the team. Um, and the style of play, I watched. I watched a lot, of, a lot of their games, and it just I knew it would just suit my style, and I could play my best footy. So, um, I came in, and it was just obviously at the time moving to a different country. That was sort of well, it's hard enough, but then to a country where you don't speak the language, yeah, um, it, it is tough. Like I didn't speak any French. I didn't know any of the players here. Um, so it was just sort of thrown in the unknown, but it was a great experience. And obviously, we went on that run to win the Challenge Cup, and um, it was just we just. We just started winning games and creating momentum for ourselves, and it just got to the stage where we knew that we we're going to win each game. And we played the semi-final against Saints in the Challenge Cup, and no one gave us a chance. But we were just so confident within our own little bubble. And um, yeah, after we won that game at Wembley, to come back to France and win, um, you know, with the cup, you know, that we had a big parade in the streets, there's fans everywhere. It was crazy. So probably don't realise how big rugby league was in France until you until we won that, and there was people in the streets celebrating and. Um, you know, the celebrations went on for a few days. So it was, uh, it was definitely my best experience in rugby league so far. Yeah, well, that would be uh, your last game for the Catalans in your first stint at the club. You go on to play for Hull KR in 2019. Um, just a, a short stay, the one season at Hull KR. Uh, how did that come about? Obviously, at the time, I didn't really want to leave Catalans, but it's a salary cap sport and um, they'd made signings previously that sort of forced me out, which I understand it's a business. At the time, I didn't really like it, but, you know, you learn to understand rugby league's a business. And um, so, yeah, I, I got a call from Tim Sheens and to go to old KR and, you know, being an Australian growing up, obviously Sheens is one of the best coaches in the game, probably in history of the game. So yeah. spoke to him on the phone um, and it was pretty easy to get me there. So went across the old KR, it was, yeah, I spent the season there. Didn't really work out, but I sort of got a phone call pretty early in the year from back at the Catalans to sort of right. say they want me back for the year after. So I sort of knew pretty early on that I was going to be coming back here. Yeah, well, now you're back, obviously. I want to delve into 2020 because I guess that in Super League, the Catalans were sort of the story of 2020 for, I guess, what you guys had to do. Um, I believe that you actually... So every game day last year, post-COVID, obviously... Uh, you would fly to England to wherever you were playing the morning of the game, go straight to the stadium and then wait at the stadium for a few hours before kickoff and then straight back on the plane home afterwards. I guess that, that period of time when you get to the ground early in the morning and you're waiting for hours before the game, what do you actually do? You obviously do a bit of training and such, but it, it's a long time. Yeah, it's, um, it's tough because obviously you used to sort of turn up to a game to the stadium and you're ready to play, you've got your headphones in and you sort of start to get ready to play. But they would have four or five hours at the stadium. Just You literally just sit in one of the reception rooms or in a box and you just you just sit there and you just talk, play cards or do whatever you want to do. And um, it, it is a long time. It is tough, but obviously it was a tough situation last year for everyone. So if that was a little bit we had to do for COVID, um, to get the rugby league, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Um, we're going to start off this year by this year by doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So um, round one this week, we're getting on the plane on Saturday morning, and we'll fly to Leeds, and we'll sit at the stadium at Leeds till we're ready to play, and fly straight back. So it's tough on the body. Um, you know, they're, they're long days, and you know, you leave me, and it's only an hour time difference, but it does affect you. Like people think it's only an hour, but especially coming back, you're back home late. 
Um, you can sort of lose that day of recovery. So it makes it tough, but that's just part and parcel of it at the moment. And we're pretty lucky we, we fly privately as well. Bernard, our owner, sort of splashes out a fair bit of money each trip for us to get on private jets. So we're lucky that way, but it's still sitting on a plane doing nothing. So it is tough. Yeah. Is it a positive in a way? Because obviously, as we mentioned before, you guys did end up making it a game away from the grand final last year. So on the field, I guess it didn't really impact you too much. But a positive in the sense that it creates that camaraderie. You guys are together for a longer period of time, especially before the games. You know, I've heard stories of like the Warriors and the Melbourne Storm, the Storm especially where, you know, being on the Sunshine Coast for most of last season allowed them to really, you know, come together and eventually win the premiership at the end of the year. So in, in that sense, do you think it's sort of a positive doing that? Uh, I think there's some positives in the way the boys with families, they sort of, they're only away from the day. So they're not yeah. normally be a three-day trip to England. Um, so they're away from their family. So I know some of the boys do appreciate it that way, but in terms of across the season, it's probably not great. You know, it's probably better to go across to England the day before and spend time together in the hotel and just have a chance to relax that way. But, um, you know, as I said, it is what it is and it's not the worst thing in the world sitting on a plane, you know, flying with your mates, but they just can turn into long days and um, you be around each other a lot. So it can take its toll, but, um, you know, as I said, it could be worse. Yeah, well, before I let you go today, um, I just wanted to bring up your brother Scott as well, playing in the NRL for the Cowboys. Um, do you get to watch much of him these days? Do you usually keep up to date with the Cowboys games? Yeah, I try and watch as much as possible. If we're not training over here, I'll um, turn it on. So, yeah, he's obviously doing well. He's had, had a good season last year and, um, you know, they've started not great this year, but... Yeah, I watch as many games as possible then NRL. I still watch. I still like to keep up to date with it all. So um, yeah, he's going good. Yeah. Uh, do you think he's more of a, a five eight or a fullback? Because he was playing five eight last year. He started at fullback this year. Personally, just from what you've seen, um, do you reckon he's more a five eight or a fullback? I sort of think it depends on the system that he's playing. He's probably not a. He needs a halfback that can control the game, and then he can just. Um, play off the cuff a bit. So I think both both positions suit him. Um, I know he prefers 5-8 and he wants to play 6, but, um, you know, he, Melbourne obviously gave his debut at fullback, so they obviously saw enough in him to be a fullback. But, yeah, I think, especially these days, there's not much difference between 6 and a 1. Um, so he can do both jobs. So, yeah, for him, he'd probably want me to say 6, but um, he, he can play both positions. Yeah, all right. Um you're obviously in France at the moment. You've spoken so highly of the Catalans and, and living in France thus far. Is France home for you now? When you retire, do you plan to live in France or maybe come back to Australia with family? Uh, no, I'll end up back in Australia, but I do love living in France at the moment. Um, it's, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Australia. You know, I'm living on the beach. You know, I go trying to get a day off. I can just shoot across, the, go for a swim. So it is a nice place to live. Everyone will tell you that. Um, Probably more importantly, I, I, love, I love the club, um, the coaching staff. So I'm obviously happy going training and then playing and then I come home and I'm happy as well. So it's a beautiful place. Um, I'm off contract this year, so hopefully I'll get to stick around. But you know, right, as I said, rugby league's a business. So I'm not sure where I'll yeah. end up and uh, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time today, Josh. And I want to thank you guys at home for listening as well. Uh, before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Chan. Well, guys, I'm here with Jem from Champ Mouthguards. How are we today, Jem? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, well, thanks for jumping on board and sponsoring Rugby League, in my opinion. Look, first of all, I wanted to ask, how did this all start? 
Uh, how did Champ Mouthguards uh, start in the beginning? What was, I guess, the idea behind it and how has it gotten to where it is today? Yeah, it's a good question, mate. It's quite funny. Um, most businesses, I guess, start from something small. And I guess you just look at uh, um, how Apple was created out of a garage and to where Apple is now. And it's a similar story, to be honest with you. Um, there's two directors in Champ Mouthguards, myself and my business partner, Urson. Uh, my background was in rugby league as well. I was a player and a coach as well. I actually um, was fortunate enough to get involved in the representative coaching at South Sydney Rabbitohs. Okay, um, nice. Yeah. I was assistant coach under Willie Peters, um, Arthur Katinas, who was an ex-first grade coach with South, um, as well as uh, Matt King as well. Um, yeah, so I was kind of fortunate enough to be around these kids that are now playing first grade, which is great to see. Um, and then basically my business partner had the dental background. So he owns a dental surgery and his father owns a laboratory as well. So it's in their blood, um, the dental scene. So we just basically put both heads together. We use my network and his skills and his qualifications and that's how it started. Yeah, nice. I believe you guys are actually partnered with the West Tigers and St. George Illawarra Dragons as their official mouth guard. Uh, how did that come to be? Mate, um, it's just um, going out there and, and basically explaining who we are, what we're all about. Um, Josh Atherton at the West Tigers was a great believer in, in what we had to offer. Um, apart from just making mouth guards, we also love to give back to the community, and that's how we started uh, really well at the early stages. So um, in the South Sydney district, a lot of the grassroots clubs I had an affiliation with, uh, whether it be me as a player or um you know, just in the community itself. So I had an understanding of what these guys needed in terms of raising funds to give back. So um, we had that sort of model that we pitched the West Tigers that we'd love to give back to the community and that's what they're all about. So they had a bit of belief in us and that's where the opportunity come from. Yeah. Uh, how about the Dragons? So the Dragons basically uh, was just an opportunity that i seen. I had a, uh, a chat with one of the other players um, who's a brand ambassador of ours, um, Jess Sergis. Um, Jess Sergis, as you know, plays with the women's at the Dragons and her boyfriend's with Lomax as well. Um, we did uh, Zach Lomax's mouth guard. He loved it. And um, it was just an opportunity through that, basically, that got us in the door. Jem, why should players or parents of players out there be opting to go with champ mouthguards uh, over other competitors? That's a good question. Um, there's two types of mouthguards, as we know. You, it's the ball and bite that you get from, say, Rebel or from the chemist. Uh, most of the time, the kids or even adults tend to just leave them in their sock because it's not comfortable. Um, so it's important to get a custom-made mouthguard. That's something that I, I like to push to a lot of the parents or, or players out there who have never had one before. Um, and the reason why I would suggest you come to Champ Mouthguards is because we actually specialise in making mouthguards particular to your sport. So um, whereas a dentist might give you over-protection, overkill, and it's going to be too thick in your mouth and you're not going to be able to breathe, yes, your teeth will be protected, but it's not really practical. So... Our mouth guards are practical, they protect you and allows you to breathe and make sure that you're still being able to perform at your, your peak performance. Yeah, so I guess you could say protection and comfort and that's what gets champ mouth guards over the line uh, over your competitors. Yeah, one little extra thing as well, I'm not sure if anybody's jumped on our website, but we've got a cool 3D customizer 
So you can actually jump on our website and uh, it's the first one in the world actually um, in terms of the MouthGuard 3D customizer. You can actually see what your MouthGuard is going to look like before you actually purchase it. And there's a whole heap of graphics that you can choose from our builder. Um, or you can upload from your own camera roll or any image off your phone and customize it to your liking as well. Yeah, well, I've certainly had to play around with it and made a rugby league, in my opinion, mouth guard. I'll have to start playing sport again so I can actually rep it. Um, uh, but I'm proud to announce that we've actually got a discount code uh, with Champ Mouthguards, 10% off if you use the discount code RILIMO, that's R-L-I-M-O-10. So RILIMO10, R-L-I-M-O-10, 10% off your purchase at Champ Mouthguards. Jem, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it.